Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to our special Padme Sans episode. Padme Sans. <laughs> A lot of you really seem to enjoy our French accents from the last episode of Padme Sans. So perhaps we will just only talk in Padme Sans. <laughs> I thought I was ready to retire the accent, but we got so many responses that I had to bring back. I don't think we've ever gotten so much feedback on an episode. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We kind of have, but (laughs) it's funny. But like a lot of good feedback on the French accents. So merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Here is a brand new, a nouvelle permissance episode pour vous. Pour vous. Pour vous. We the proper term because that's how we think we, of yeah, you guys. We're, yeah, mm-hmm. you're only the proper <laughs> form of you to us. Vous. Pour vous. Pour two? No, 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 <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Juste pour vous. <laughs> wow. Really racking the brain from that high school and college French. Oui, oui. Oui, oui. Anyway, <laughs> so here's the part of the episode where we discuss the fact that we are going to be on the podcast stage on Friday, April 12th at 12 p.m. Trust this me, is, I'm sick of hearing myself talk like, about it too. This is like a new, like our part four. Like uh-huh. we're usually a part three podcast, but until Star Wars Celebration, we're a part four podcast. And part one is the podcast stage at Celebration. You know it. We know it. But we're going to say it again. <laughs> April 12th at 12. You can't miss it. It's well, the – I mean, you, you can. can miss it. You, I mean, <laughs> you can do whatever you want with your celebration time. We'd like for you to spend some of it with us. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it's April twelfth at twelve at the podcast stage. It is literally seconds after <laughs> the episode nine panel ends. So well, that's what we'll be discussing. So the thing is, is that when Charlotte and I warm up our mics and we get ready to talk about whatever breaking news has come across Star Wars front, usually we have like an hour to compress it like <laughs> with each other if it's like breaking news. Like when we've done like trailer reactions and stuff, like usually there's a little bit of time that we have to just like – The most um, abrupt thing that we've ever done was when I literally got off a plane after the yeah. last Jedi full trailer – like two Octobers ago, and I put down my bags and sat at my mic. And that was the yeah. most abrupt we've ever done. But that was still like 30 minutes. Yeah. I had to get home from the airport. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like usually we have time to like put together a Google Doc and like have some notes or something. But this, like I said, seconds after <laughs> the episode nine trailer. So if you want to see like the most authentic Charlotte and Caitlin you've ever seen in your lives <laughs> – of like reacting to Star Wars. <laughs> you don't want to miss our podcast stage. <laughs> yes, seriously. And if you are – so there's like three different stages I think that you can watch it on. The the real one, which is I think the celebration stage. There's the galaxy stage. That sounds right. And then the twin sun stage. And the twin sun stage is conveniently right next door to the podcast stage. So if you are in that overflow room, which I think is the smallest overflow room – it will be directly next to it. So you can watch that and then walk straight on over mm-hmm. with your new poster that they'll probably give out mm-hmm. and sit in our podcast stage. So and if you grab us a poster, we will love you that's forever. That's totally fine. 
you know, you got to do what feels best. (laughs) (laughs) Accidentally take two? Oh, no. (laughs) Whoops. It's totally fine. (laughs) (laughs) But we only have a couple more episodes to talk about, to have our our celebration exclusive part one of four Mm -hmm. um, and talk about the podcast stage. So... The we, the other thing about that's really special about the podcast age is that it will be our 100th episode. Yes. We're working really hard to get us to that number and make sure that we do hit it then. Keela and I both think it would be really special for us to hit 100 episodes at Celebration. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to do. So that's also a, a huge thing personally, honestly, for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just a great celebration. Yeah. So we would love for all of you to be a part of it, but that also means that we're going to have some extra episodes coming out um, before celebration. So be on the lookout for that. But right now, we still have a super special episode all about Padmaisons. And to continue our Padmaisons theme, we are so excited to be giving you guys an exclusive interview with E.K. Johnston in this episode. When we were planning out Padmaisons, it was just Absolute perfect timing that E.K. Johnson reached out to us about chatting with us about Queen Shadow and all things Padme. And honestly, the timing could not have worked out better. And we were so, so excited to sit down and just kind of pick her brain a little bit about what it was like writing for Padme, um, her thoughts on like the Clone Wars. Guys, I'm not – this isn't a spoiler, but she talked about Heroes on Both Sides, which (laughs) as you know is like our favorite episode of Clone Wars. She also talked about Iceland, which Charlotte and I went to Iceland. So anyway. Yeah, we did we did kind of freak out about that. <laughs> we did. You'll hear it's like the very first question we asked. She brings up Iceland and Charlotte and I are both like, oh my God, Iceland, the blue lagoon? What? <laughs> For a second I was like, is this gonna turn into an Icelandic podcast all of a sudden? Like I know we were here to talk about Padme, but it's so funny but no we didn't actually talk about iceland but she did go to iceland charlotte and i have a deep love for iceland um we talked about fan fiction we talked about fan art padme's fashion a lot of good things Mm -hmm. so we are really excited to have had the chance to chat with ek johnston um about padme and a little bit about ahsoka too because you know she's one of our other favorite characters as well Yeah, so this is a two-part episode. So in the first part is going to be E.K. Johnston, and then the second part, you guys sent us so many letters and DMs all about what Padme means to you, so we'll be reading them in the same way that we read our what Ahsoka means to you on our Ahsoka episode. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't read Queen Shadow yet and uh, are avoiding spoilers for that book, I will put the timestamp below of where to skip to if you don't want to hear that interview and you just want to hear what everyone's, you know, heartfelt thoughts about Padme are. Because mm-hmm. there definitely are spoilers in there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. just know that before you go in. Yes. So yes. But we are we are really touched to receive all of your Padme letters. Um, she means a lot to us. She means a lot to Charlotte. So um, <laughs> I love Padme, but Padme is Charlotte's character through and through. Um, so we are really excited to dive in and to be sharing those letters on the air because, um, like we said, with Ahsoka, that was something that we really loved getting to do. And it seems like a lot of you guys liked hearing all of those different letters and DMs too. So we're really touched and happy to be able to share. <laughs> yes. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Hello, everyone. We are so excited because we have E.K. Johnston here with us, the author of Queen Shadow. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. We're so happy that you're here. 
Yes, we were very excited. Um, we've everyone's been talking about Queen Shadow, us included, and so we were so excited to have the chance to kind of pick your brain about some of the things that were going on in this book. <laughs> um, I, I do love talking about Star Wars, so <laughs> it's the best. It really is. So we just kind of wanted to start with, and I'm sure you've been asked this question a couple of times, but what was it really like to find out that you were going to be writing for Padme? She's my favorite character, and I can't imagine. One, finding that out, and two, keeping that secret. So what was that like? <laughs> so it was it was pretty delightful. I found out um, while I was on vacation in Iceland, actually. Oh, my gosh. And oh, my God. Caitlin and I have been to Iceland, and it's our favorite place. It was it's... delightful. But oh my, God. I, Can... my agent called and was like, they want you to write the Padme book. And I was like, awesome. And then he was like, wait, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Like, what time is it? I was like, it's almost midnight and I'm in Iceland, but don't worry, it's still daylight. Um, I was there in the summer. So, um, so yeah, it was just, it was just delightful. And like, at that point, um, it had been, you know, almost two decades. And then I had to sit on it for 13 months, which is called like, I went to, we were counting it out the other day and I went to like Dragon Con. New York Comic Con, Emerald City Comic Con, Wonder Con, and Awesome Con. Oh my gosh. I think. And like people would always be like, So you're writing another Star Wars book? And I'd be like, They know where to find me. I'm not <laughs> writing a Star Wars book. I want a panel. So I had to keep it a secret for it felt like forever. And like because all of my like a, a stupid high percentage of my Star Wars friends are like into Star Wars because of Padme. So, like, mm-hmm. it always comes up within, like, two seconds of people having a conversation. And I just remember at Dragon Con, Sarah Dempster and my friend Faith were having, they just met. And, like, literally the conversation turned to Padme in, like, two seconds. And I was like, I'm sorry, I have to go and get water. <laughs> and just, like, left the conversation. <laughs> I like, couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> Yeah, we, um, Sarah Dempster actually lives nearby, so we see her, and I do, uh, quite a bit in particular, uh, a lot, and yeah, Padme always comes up inevitably pretty quickly, even before this book was even on the table, so that must have been so difficult. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a real thing. Yeah, I so, think, wasn't there a Padme panel at DragonCon recently am I wrong about I feel like I'm wrong about that but I can't even imagine just like observing that you know the conversations about Padme and like how everyone wants more Padme because those have been happening for a while and then just kind of being like yep I was on several women of Star Wars panels uh (laughs) one politics in Star Wars panel Mm. and like just casual conversations where I had to be like oh yeah we'll talk about that in a while (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's one of those secrets that seems really fun at the beginning to have and be like, I know what's coming. But then you realize that it's not coming for a really long time and you have to keep that secret for a really long time. Yeah, I mean, I had, like to Ahsoka, I had to keep Ahsoka a secret for, I guess, like September, October, November, December, eight months. Mm-hmm. And like then three months for real, for real once we started working on it. But um, this keeping the secret for this long a time was... It was definitely an experience. Yeah, it must have been. Well, to the point where they announced it at San Diego Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And that morning, we had a breakfast for all of the Lucasfilm um, Lucasfilm Press and Del Rey people who were there. 
And so I sat down at the table next to like the director of marketing and publicity for Disney publishing and who is a wonderful person. I love him. And he was like, so how is the Padme book going? And I was so used to it that I was just like, oh man, it would be so awesome if there was <laughs> just straight up like, and he kind of looked at me and I was like, oh no, wait. <laughs> I can talk about it with you. He was like, oh my God, please tell me you're working on it. I was just like so used to like not talking about it at that point that it was second nature. That's so funny. I think um, one of the things that as Star Wars fans, I feel like especially Charlotte and I are always curious about is like how the Lucasfilm story group kind of operates. They're kind of like this mystery to everyone. So when you were... When they asked you about the book, did you come to them with a proposal for like the plot line, the time frame that it was going to take place in, or was it something that they kind of gave you a little bit of directive on? Well, the time frame kind of served every other part of the plot. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, at least, the time frame was always a lock because they asked me to write a YA book. So that means she's a teenager, um, mm-hmm. which pretty much guarantees a book set between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Mm -hmm. Um, And with Ahsoka, I had written, um, for lack of a better term, what we call low YA, which is basically books that like 13 and 14 year olds can feel comfortable reading. Mm -hmm. Um, And with Padme, I know I knew that I wanted to write more of a like a regular YA book, the ones that you like aim at 16, 17, 18 year olds. Um, so it, it very much became clear that, that she couldn't be like 16 in the book. I wanted her to be a little bit older, mm-hmm. um, which meant queen to Senator was the transition period. Cause YA books are always the best when you're writing about some kind of crazy transition mm-hmm. and the idea of going from running a planet to helping to run the galaxy, um, and the differences between those two things, um, and the difference between qualifications and experience um was something that I really wanted to to look at yeah that's a that's a big transition I mean as far as like young adult transitions go ruling a planet to ruling a galaxy is a pretty big one (laughs) ruling a galaxy well (laughs) working she's not ruling a galaxy not ruling a galaxy but helping to run a galaxy What kind of impact did the story group have on the details itself as you were writing? Did they have things that they knew they wanted you to include or was a lot of it coming from like your idea bank? Um, A lot of it was coming from my idea bank. Um, I think because I do read and watch most of the Star Wars stuff out there. Um, I have a pretty good grasp of what other people are coming up with. And it's one of my favorite things about Star Wars, actually, is writing in this shared universe and like seeing things that other people do and then kind of being like, hey, can can I borrow that? And I think the the character who's kind of done that the most famously is Ray Sloan. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. started off in a new dawn and then and then went to aftermath. Um, but as soon as I saw the Naboo scenes in Battlefront 2, I emailed Jen Heddle and was like, I need the Ion Pulse. Can I have the Ion Pulse? <laughs> yes. Uh, that was such a great plot. detail. Um, I need it for plot because in the first draft, um, in the first draft of the book, um, Marik Panaka still took over as the captain of the guard and, um, Karsh retired, but the... 
he was like, he was too nice. And so like, I wrote the first draft and then I read Leia Princess of Alderaan and then I was like, oh. (laughs) 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 So I had to go back and sort of plant the seeds of that as well. And like that, that's the kind of thing I really love is like looking at other books and other media and, and, you know, stitching the things together in the, in the places that I can see like, oh, this character development will make sense later in that book too. And like, maybe someone will take this someday and that kind of stuff. It's super fun for me. Totally. So we really loved the Ahsoka novel that you wrote as well. It was it was great. And I think on recent interviews, you've been asked how different it was to write Ahsoka versus Padme. But I kind of wanted to ask a different question. And how are they similar in your eyes? And was there any similarities that you kind of pulled? Because I think both of these characters come from, you know, this era that I could see them sort of um, relating and I wanted to know if you had any thoughts about that I think the thing they have in common is a sense of isolation mm-hmm. um, where Ahsoka obviously is imposed by outside forces and Padme kind of does it on purpose mm-hmm. um, but Ahsoka sort of discovers what she is like when she's alone and realizes she does not want to be alone Um and Padme sort of has the option to find out what it's like to be independent. And cause she's moved around as part of this like greater whole for so long that when she gets to finally be alone, it's kind of something she enjoys. Um, so it's like different approaches to isolation and different approaches to like building the group you move forward with basically where the two, the two major things I think that hold them in common and also the like, headstrong recklessness, determination to get stuff done, that kind of shenanigans as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's great. That's really interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that is so interesting because it kind of seems like the obvious answer would be, oh, they're like kind of, I mean, it's obvious, but it's good. Like they're both headstrong. They're both really passionate and have like a very strong moral compass. And we often see them on like these little side adventures in the Clone Wars. But I think the the theme of like isolation around both of them is a really like a really interesting thread that I want to sit with and think about more because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it wasn't something I'd ever really considered before about them um, as far as the similarity between the two. Um, one of the things that really, I mean, grabbed my attention when I first read the book was, of course, the very first scene. <laughs> um, <laughs> I started reading it and I was like, oh, my God, are we starting here? Are we really starting here? <laughs> um, did you know immediately that that's, that you were going to end with her death, but then also kind of put that parallel in the beginning? So the, usually when I write a book, it, I kind of stew on it a little bit. And then I write the whole book in order from beginning to end. And like, so I'll know what happens at the end of the book, but I won't have it like written down. Um, when I write a Star Wars book though, the timeline is a little bit compressed. So I tend to write more stuff down as I think about it and then stitch it into the book as I'm writing the outline. So the first thing I wrote before I wrote the outline for Queen's Shadow was that first paragraph. And the second thing I wrote was the epilogue. Um, So they were always the beginning and the end of the book. And then I kind of structured the outline around how I was going to get from point one to point two. And I remember handing it in and being like, I wonder if I like laid that on a little bit thick in that first paragraph. Um, And then but the reaction has always been like, that was a real jerk move. And I'm like, yeah, 
in the best way though. Yeah. I, lo- I mean, I just, I love the contrast because they're, you know, visually you kind of imagine them the same way, but the beginning is so idyllic and um, romantic in a way and just so picture perfect. And then to have it mirror the end, which is so tragic and it, it, it is a jerk move, but in the best way. <laughs> Really, that's what Star Wars is about for me. Jerk movies Ex- the best way. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I just read Master and Apprentice last week, and it's like 99% jerk moves in the best way. I oh love boy. it. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, no one is ready for this book. I, we're not ready. No. No. <laughs> no one is. Yeah. We always say on the show, we, uh, our thing is Star Wars is tragedy, and it's so true. It's like, it really just knows how to rip your heart out in the best way, and we love it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I wanted to know, because I think the handmaidens are such obviously a crucial part of this whole story. And I wanted to know kind of your process of fleshing out them and kind of how you approached giving them all different roles and um, their characterization. So one of my sort of personal challenges every time I write a book is group scenes, because there's this thing called the Gimli problem which is in The Lord of the Rings, there's like 50 pages where Gimli doesn't talk. He's present in every single scene, but he doesn't have any lines. And in a movie, it's not that bad because you can like see the person. But in a book, if someone all of a sudden has a line 10 pages later and you're like, when did they get here? Like, oh, <laughs> here the whole time. So when you're writing this character, Padme, who like at minimum always comes with two other people, um, it was really kind of important to me to nail down their personalities really early on. So I would always know, um, always know what they were bringing to a scene. And so Sabe was the easiest because I always knew she was going to be essentially a protagonist of this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the other four, I basically um, wrote down archetypes for them. So we have the, the scientist, the musician, the caregiver and the politician. And as soon as I had those four things, I knew what they wanted to be after they were done being handmaidens, which gave them like desires. And then as soon as they started talking to each other, um, they had conflict because the conflict is always going to be their loyalty to Padme and their loyalty to their own hopes and dreams. Mm -hmm. And so that's basically where the foundations of their characters came. Um, And because they all wanted stuff, as soon as they started talking to each other, um, they developed personalities, which was fun. Um, and then with Corday and Dorme and Verse, I Dorme, we have enough on screen that I could kind of start from her. Um, but for Corday, I wanted her to be sort of the replacement double and like what it feels like to be like the second person to have that job. Um, and Verse, um, because we don't really see that actress on screen um, and the actress is uncredited, I had sort of a little bit of space to make her physically different from the others as well. Um, She's a little bit stockier. She can't physically double for Padme. Basically they look different enough that she cannot physically step in. And so, and give her the sort of technology background to make her a little bit um, off the beaten track, I suppose. Like there's, there's a line about like, they never discuss how she learned it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) How did she become so good at placing when literally every member of her family is in security? (laughs) (laughs) That was something I really loved was just seeing like all the cool specialties and areas of expertise. I I can't remember who it was, but there was one handmaiden who can just like always find like ribbon whenever they need it. 
Yes. <laughs> it's like a matching ribbon. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. that's a really great skill to have. And I would like that. Yeah. Um, were there any like fun interests or special skills that like basically didn't like were left on the cutting room floor for the book or anything like that? Um, I feel like Yane really got the short end of the stick um, in terms of character development. Um, she's like, she's their peacemaker. Um, but not only by like talking people into like, like peacemaking in the sort of like, I can make you guys, you know, talk about your feelings and then we'll all have milk and cookies, but also peacekeeping in the like, I will just flatten everything so that you all (laughs) stop talking. (laughs) Everybody will have milk and cookies and you will all grow as people. So like she has kind kind of her personality as well. Um, and we didn't really get to see that, um, unfortunately, on the page. But she's definitely, like, um, I can't remember the expression, but, like, Velvet Hammer or whatever it is. Where you're like, oh, yeah, it's Yane. And then all of a sudden, it's, like, two hours later. And you've told her your entire life story. She's, like, Fluttershy <laughs> from My Little Pony. She's, like, she <laughs> would cry immediately and then, like, gives them tea. Uh, oh, I love it. We all need a friend now, like that. Yes, yes exactly. Yes. So <laughs> there's some... Th- there's so many, so much stuff I love in Queen Shadow, but something I really am just so happy about is, is the fact that Padme's parents and they, you basically pulled a lot of what we saw in that amazing deleted scene in Attack of the Clones into this book and kind of made it even more canon. And I just want to thank you for that. And I wanted to know if that was like a huge like priority for you. Um, it was in a lot of ways because I, I like that sort of story. And mm-hmm. I liked, there's, uh, I forget, I think it's Mina Bonteri. There's a line in the book about how, like, you, you're queen of a planet and your mom's still disappointed in you because, like, you don't, you don't come home for dinner often enough. Yes. Uh, and I, I love that, that sort of the weirdness of, like, having this, this daughter who's, like, super smart, who's literally never coming home. Um, and, like, you're proud of her, but also, like have you thought about like, I don't know, taking up gardening? Cause then you'd be closer. And <laughs> no, she's not going to, but the idea of that sort of complication um, in a relationship is always fun. Yeah. That I was love- one of the like really poignant moments. I think for me when I was reading it, when I think it was near the beginning when Sabe was watching Padme talk to her parents, like out on the balcony by herself at nighttime. And it was just like this really quiet moment of, you know, Padme with her parents and she didn't look like a queen. She just looked like a daughter asking for permission to do something. And it really resonated. It was, it was really emotional. Yeah. I think that might be the only like Padme Naberi scene in the book. Mm-hmm. She's Amidala in at least on some level in almost every scene, except that one. Like, even oh, when that's... she goes to visit her parents later, she's still Padme Amidala. But that one scene, she gets to be Padme Neberry for, like, two minutes. Oh, oh I love I that love so that. much. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. I, um, I, love, I love how you said that just because I think that the conflict of parents is always so interesting. And it's obviously something that you don't see a lot. Like, a, a healthy, familial um, parent situation in Star Wars. And <laughs> I think that... Bad. Yeah, there's it doesn't exist. So like, I, I think it's it was cool to see, you know, Padme kind of struggle with that. It also kind of brought her a little bit down to earth. I think. Um, I don't know. I loved it so much. We're really big Clone Wars fans. Um, so were there other sources that you went for went to when you were writing Queen Shadow? How much of Clone Wars did you watch or revisit? What was that process like? Um, I had seen all of the Clone Wars, and I knew. There's like one 
one episode arc um or two episode arcs i guess uh, enemies no enemies on both heroes sides. on heroes, heroes on both, on both sides. we <laughs> that's like our, we're asking because we love that episode so much yes. and we talk about it agnosium on our podcast <laughs> yeah so definitely heroes on both sides and um then later on there's like one throwaway line about how like we stayed up for three days and did all this work and i was like there's my plot sort of <laughs> uh, and but yeah, but definitely because like we have other material for Mon Mothma and we have other material for Bale. But when it came to Mina Bonteri, I really wanted to sort of um, to give that relationship some depth. Mm-hmm. And I loved the idea of of Padme coming to Coruscant and there are these like three perfect mentor figures for her and one, you know, pathological villain. But, like, the three perfect mentor figures don't necessarily agree on everything all the time, and she's going to have to choose. And so she has to choose between Mon and Mina really early on. And Mon Mothma doesn't even really like her that much at this point, whereas Mina would take her in a heartbeat. But the idea of that sort of complication of that relationship and knowing what what happens to everybody eventually, because that's what Star Wars is about... Um, but sort of getting them to just sit down and there's a, Padme has a line at some point where she's like, I'm going to show you how awesome we will be together. I just need you to stop judging me for long enough to do it. <laughs> and I, I loved writing that because at that point, it's not even necessarily about impressing Mon Mothma. It's about like Padme getting to the, the spot she thinks she should be in and she's going to need Mon Mothma to do it. And I love the idea of them sort of reaching an agreement rather than like becoming besties right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that totally. was that was such an interesting development it, development, and it was something that I wasn't expecting at all when I started reading Queen Shadow. Um, I don't even think I expected Mina Bonteri to be in there, and like I said, we're huge fans of that episode arc and of Mina Bonteri too. And so I think it was such an interesting choice to kind of have like you assume that Padme is just gonna be with Mon Mothma at the beginning of the book because that's kind of what we see in deleted scenes in Revenge of the Sith but that wasn't the case like their relationship had to grow and develop and change and I thought that was a really great addition to the book of like seeing Padme navigating these different relationships and like changing her opinion and her relationship with them because you know first impressions can change yeah unfortunately yes (laughs) (laughs) So did you do you have an overall favorite Padme moment, whether it's from the book or the Clone Wars or the movies? Um, is there something that like defines Padme for you? Um, I think my two favorite Padme moments are both from The Phantom Menace. Um, and one of them is We Are Brave Your Highness, because like she mm-hmm. is standing behind Sabe. They're not in each other's line of sight because she can't see around the headdress and Sabe can't really obviously look back over her shoulder. And so the idea that Padme has to say something that conveys we need to leave the planet without actually saying we need to leave the planet is is just so marvelous. Like, I love the idea that she that she thinks not necessarily a code, but like like code words. But the way that she says it and the sort of thing she says is what indicates to Sabe that, no, they're going to get on this ship and go, which I deeply love because it's sort of this they're relatively new into into Padme's rain at that point but they still have this system in place and this trust in place um Mm -hmm. which i which i love and then the other part the other part i like is her sort of pragmatic approach um in terms of knowing her own limits when the they're again when they come back to naboo and they're in the hangar 
and the door opens all dramatically and Darth Maul is there. And she's like, yeah, you guys are up. We'll see you on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, we'll go around. See you later. And like, they leave. That's so like, great. No, that's my girl. <laughs> Peace out, Girl Scout. Let's <laughs> go. It's so good. I, You know, the thing that I love so much about Star Wars and new books and new content coming out is that I've always loved the We Are Brave, Your Highness line, but I look at it so differently now after reading Queen Shadow because I understand the relationships that are there. And like you said, I can think about that as way more of a loaded sentence than I used to. And I just think it's so great. Um, and I just kind of wanted to know, because I feel like we are, but I wanted to know if you feel like we are. I feel like we're living in a Padme renaissance right now where <laughs> we're finally getting the content provided by you and the Clone Wars is returning and everything. And do you think that, you know, more people are being kind of awoken, awaken, awakened to <laughs> um, Padme than they ever have before right now? I mean, I hope so. There's books and comics and all that kind of stuff and then as the Clone Wars coming back as you said and I think what will be the test is if it's if it's just this year then no it was kind of a blip but if there's more stuff going forward um not just on the material side but also on the merch side yes. uh, that would be that would be fantastic um yes. and like I I love the cover of Queen's Shadow, and I love the celebration cover of Queen's Shadow, but mm-hmm. she's always wearing those two outfits. Right? I know it's rough, it's, and it's like many also, iconic outfits. I know and, it's it's so frustrating. And I'm, I'm <laughs> but at least see her in the purple, the Clone Wars purple, mm-hmm. um, also iconic. But yeah, so I think that uh, there's definitely room room for more stuff, and hopefully, hopefully, we'll get it. Yeah, I I am just waiting for some more of those Star Wars Celebration exclusives to drop, but I feel like we haven't gotten a lot of, or any, Padme (laughs) merch. Um, I think that all you can buy is the new cover. I could be wrong about that, but it's like the media badge and (laughs) and the the exclusive cover. Her universe line. Yes, so true. There was like, there was, she actually did like a tease on... uh, instagram a few weeks ago and like definitely something was orange and definitely something was like purpley pinkish so i'm cautiously optimistic (laughs) my wallet is ready is all i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) my wallet is not ready but my heart is yeah yeah i think i'm gonna side with you on that one So do you have, like, if you could pick any outfit for Padme, like, for the next Padme thing to be, do you have a favorite outfit that you'd like to see realized in some kind of merchandising or, like, Funko Pop or something like that? Um, yeah, I would take literally anything of the <laughs> Attack of the Clones travel gown. Oh, um, wow. I, I've only ever seen one once um, at New York Comic Con a few years ago. I chased some girl for, like, two aisles, and she, like, painted it because you can't buy that fabric wow um, but it's my favorite costume hands down and I I love it so much wow that's so cool I want to see that in person there yeah. is an action figure for the cost billion dollars yeah <laughs> I think there is <laughs> used to make, they used to make a lot of like in Attack of the Clones era I feel like they made a lot of action figures but they're so hard to find now and tracking them down is impossible and oh man like, I definitely have her wedding gown as an action figure. I think you got me that for me, Kaylin. And sure <laughs> yeah, and I feel like that was the last time we got like a lot of Padme outfits out yeah. of anything. 
I have a I have a few that I've like randomly stumbled over in comic book stores over the last five years, but um, <laughs> they're all like really dusty. But they're the collection is growing. Yeah. Cool. So where do you want to see Padme show up next? I know we have the Clone Wars, but is there anything else that you'd really like to see her in? And her timeline is so depressingly short. I know. Um, I would love to see like oh my goodness I don't even know there's so so many things I'd like to see I'd love to see like a story where Luke and Leia get some actual facts (laughs) and not like magically moving stained glass windows and vague feelings Um, (laughs) (laughs) like that was great Um, I would love to see literally anything on Naboo Mm -hmm. yes and there's a few other things I would love to like be the one to write so I'm not going to talk about them (laughs) (laughs) yes but basically basically I'll take anything um right like I like the the adult novel which I would not want to write because I don't really write books for grown-ups I mean on purpose is um (laughs) like the senate sort of like secret secret marriage era yes which could be a ton of fun slash super. Oh my awesome. gosh. So great. I'd love that. <laughs> and that's the kind of story I'd rather read than write anyway. So yeah, I totally um, get that. Yeah. So I think there's basically when they, when they have chronicled her entire life, um, I will be content. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, even though Padme has such like a short time frame, like there can always be more. Yeah. Like Padme yeah. deserves more. All, all the time. Always, always. All the time and forever. Padme deserves more. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that was a big part of Charlotte and I's fandom experience, because we became we became friends and we became like hardcore fans of Star Wars right after Revenge of the Sith came out. And a big part of like our fandom experience at that time and to this day has been fan fiction. Um, now, was that ever anything that you dabbled in as far as like writing Padme fan fiction or like what's been your experience with that side of fandom? So my Star Wars fandom experience is very strange because it was almost entirely offline until mm-hmm. 2008. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I I loved Padme and I loved The Handmaidens and I, I, I was in fan fiction starting in like 1999 but I never wrote fan fiction about Star Wars. And I never read Star Wars fan fiction beyond like a couple of crossovers that my friends had written and like one, one story. And it wasn't really until 2008 that I started talking about Star Wars online with people and we were all Handmaiden fans, but fan fiction was never really a thing. And then in the last few years, because of like professional boundaries and stuff like that, I haven't read or written any Star Wars fan fiction, even though... I've had a few like fan fiction ideas that would be fun to write. And when I got home from Rogue One, I was like emotionally distressed that I was never going to be re- able to read any of the Fix It fix written for Rogue One. <laughs> 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 I was like, I just want to read stories where they're okay. Oh, um, I but I don't. That was basically so. the entire mood after Rogue right? One. <laughs> right? Like, I- I've never even been on the pages. I'm like, I didn't Dell fanfic. I would read all of that. But like... I- <laughs> I just can't. And um, it's, it's the, I think it's like the one thing about the one downside of being a pro Star Wars author is you can't write fan fiction. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> that would be hard. Because yeah. we'd like it. <laughs> it would be tough. Um, so I just wanted to ask, you know, Queen Shadow has been out 
for over a month now, almost a month. And I just wanted to know, what was your favorite reaction so far from fans? Um, oh, man. <laughs> you don't have to pick one. <laughs> I, think, I think it's basically everybody who, because when I met, I met most people in the first week when not a lot of people had read it yet, because mm-hmm. um, it had been out for like two days. But I think my favorite, my favorite thing are the people who, my two favorite things, I guess, are the people who um, tweet at me like, oh my God, the epilogue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is exactly what I wanted. And uh, two, all of the people who are like, so we're getting more, right? Because I, I would like more. <laughs> we want more. We definitely yeah. want more. Yeah, I'll stand by that. I'll tweet that. <laughs> <laughs> We need to know what happens with Sabe. Like, we have to know. I know. <laughs> I know. Her call from Bale, I need it. <laughs> <laughs> Has there been any, like, fan art that's come your way of, like, the outfit she wore or some of the, like, situations, or, like, the parties she went to or anything like that? Um, I've only seen one really quick sketch of the purple outfit from her first speech. Mm-hmm. And um, someone did just today actually someone did her with uh Depa Balaba but it's the it's Clone Wars era not the book oh um, I saw that today it was she's good purple Clone Wars outfit that I love um mm-hmm. and so I I haven't done the take because I haven't had any time but I'm going to write up um the dress post because almost all of the dresses in the book are based on real life dresses <sighs> Uh, <laughs> some of them are from movies some of them are from uh the her universe fashion show last summer mm-hmm. and uh some of them are sort of modifications to like the the earlier ones in the book are modifications to her recognizable outfits um like from the movies but I think right. um, eventually I'm going to get around to writing up that post and then maybe there will be art who knows I, I I really, would, I'd actually I'd really love to see that all kind yeah. of laid out together there and to kind of hear your inspirations just because I think that that just kind of helps a lot with Mm -hmm. she's so such elaborate gowns and everything that that would be really cool to see I hope that you do write that I went back through the book and put in a post-it note for all of the outfit descriptions okay and um it's color-coded for sorry I'm holding the arc it's color-coded for Padme Sabe random handmaiden and random (laughs) other I love this and categories yeah (laughs) And there's, there's a lot of sticky notes. <laughs> so um, a lot to work with. I would love that. Yeah, like Charlotte said, I think that'd be so cool because that is such a big, like she's so visual, like yeah. all of her dresses. Like it's so great to see them and to see your inspiration behind a lot of her outfits and a lot of the other characters' outfits I think would be really fun. Yeah. Um, she wears a different outfit in every scene except two in The Phantom Menace. And I wanted to sort of carry that into the book. They get why at one point I got a note um from from Leland from Leland that was like I don't think I've ever read a Star Wars book with this many dress descriptions in it <laughs> well what did they, what do they expect like exactly. you gotta Padme. <laughs> yeah I think we were I was just watching a behind the scenes about Padme's costume which I'm sure you've seen before but I do think it's hilarious that George Lucas started with three outfits for Padme and then by the end of like pre-production they had an outfit for every time she goes through a door and of course that has to be carried out in this book that stars her love that she does recycle an outfit at the very beginning of the book but it's because they were caught unaware <laughs> there's a reason desperate times <laughs> yeah. 
So we always like to wrap up interviews with guests on our show with what we lovingly call our Sky Talkers dinner question. And if this is your first time listening to the show, the Sky Talkers dinner question is a a kind of a game <laughs> that Charlotte and I used to play um, when we were driving or just had run out of things to talk about um, in our day-to-day lives. And we basically would pose the question to each other, if you could only ask five people to a Star Wars dinner, be it characters, actors, crew, John Williams, whoever it was, you can only have five people at your Star Wars dinner, who would you most want to bring? And so now we would really love to ask our guests on the show who they would most like to bring to their Star Wars dinner. Um, And the goal, well, really you can have any goal you want, but our goal is usually good conversation. But maybe your goal is like you want intel on upcoming (laughs) movies or shows, or maybe you just want to sit and look at Harrison Ford for two hours. Like whatever your goal is, tell us who you're bringing to your Sky Talkers Star Wars dinner. So EK Johnson, we would like to know who the five people are you would like to bring to your Star Wars dinner. Okay. So my goal is good conversation. I think I'm not sure if I will actually be talking. I might just be like sitting there dying of like. Yep. <laughs> oh, so Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Great. Hilarious. Oh my God, yes. Trisha Bigar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hera. Yes. And Carrie Fisher. Absolutely. Carrie's got to come to every dinner. Yeah. I, I think that we've only had like two guests on our show who haven't brought Carrie and it's like she, she's got to come. Like, I wasn't adding her as an afterthought. I was, like, adding her as, like, she's definitely coming. Who am I putting in first? (laughs) I I love this. (laughs) Peter Cushing, I love that addition. And, like, Peter Cushing and Trisha and Carrie, that, like, I need them to sit at the end of the table together and just, like, chat. Because I'm sure (laughs) Trish, like, Carrie would want to talk to Trisha. And, like, Peter's just kind of in between them. And I don't know. It works really well in my head. Like in my head canon, I'm having a really good time at the dinner. Yeah. And every once in a while, Christopher Lee just like declares something loudly. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, thanks, Christopher Lee. Yes. I love this. And yeah. Peter Cushing's just there with those like immaculate cheekbones. And the bunny slippers. He wears the bunny slippers. Yes. yes. Oh my God. Yes. And he Carrie, at a certain point, Carrie asks him if she can wear the bunny slippers. <laughs> And then he's barefoot, and it's just, like, it's a thing. <laughs> but Hera is just, like, delighted, but also deeply confused for the entire <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she, she would be really confused. But she's there. And she would also be a great conversation. Yeah. <laughs> what era Hera is this? Like, um, is it post-Rebels, during Rebels? Is Kanan still alive? Um, What's the deal? Oh, I just remembered what happened at the end of the I know, same. Like, when I said it, I was like, I can't believe I just for Jason? Like, how old are we here? Oh, yeah, good point. Let's go with post-Rebellion Hera. Love it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into it. Peter Cushing and bunny slippers. It's just... (laughs) It really tickles me, and I love it. (laughs) I don't know if they were actually bunny slippers, but I think they were at least fuzzy. Yeah, I think they they were, too. I I think... (laughs) In my head, they can be bunny. They might as well be bunny. to assume that they're bunny slippers. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you so much for coming on Sky Talkers tonight. We're so happy that you were here, and we really loved Queen Shadow. And if you're listening and you haven't listened, if you haven't read it, you should definitely go buy it and read it and support Padme. So thank you so much for coming on, and hopefully we'll see you at Celebration. Yes, that's the plan. Yes. Yes. And where can people find you online when they're not reading your books? When they're not reading my book, I can be found at Twitter at EK underscore Johnston. 
um, which is also where I am on Instagram. On Tumblr, which uh, if Tumblr where I'm like 100% more likely to answer questions is EK Johnston with no underscores because Tumblr doesn't let you use underscores. Mm. And I have a website, ekjohnston.ca, um, which technically does have an email contact form. But again, if you have a question, Tumblr is the best way. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on again. And I can't wait to see you at Celebration. Thank you. So welcome to this part where we're going to be reading all of your letters. And I just wanted to say before we get going that I think it's really important that we read these letters just because, like we said in the beginning of the show, I feel like, you know, we say it all the time about like Padme doesn't get enough love, but I did get like a couple of like negative responses about Padme. She's not mm-hmm. as good as Luke and Leia or anything like that. All Padme was good for. I think a response that I got was all Padme was good for was that she gave birth to two better characters. And I was <sighs> like, there's a whole reason why we're doing this whole month. And I just had to mention that even though I know that you know, we're all about positivity and everything, but it is really important, I think, that people kind of speak their truth about why they like something. And that's what these letters are here for. So, mm-hmm. and even to have just like the small platform that we have to be able to share those to exactly more people. Um, because even if Padme isn't your favorite character, perhaps like you're still getting to know Padme a little bit more. Um, I think it's, I think sometimes, sometimes it can be so good to understand why someone else loves something even if it's not in the same way that you love it or even if you don't love it at all. Um, Just Mm -hmm. hearing other people's passion for a character, for what they mean to them um, can be like so like heartwarming. (laughs) Totally. I love hearing from anyone about what they love. Mm -hmm. It's the best feeling. It really is. So the way we did it in the Ahsoka episode is that we like kind of popcorned off. (laughs) I read one, Caitlin reads one, um, and that's how we're going to go. So I'll start. And this is from Grace. Hello, Charlotte and Caitlin. I've been a Star Wars fan as long as I can remember, but when I was introduced to Padme in her world the first time after I watched The Phantom Menace, I finally felt like it was my story being represented and not only something my mom could relate to. Padme Amidala, to me, is who Leia Organa is to my mom when she was my age, and that makes Star Wars an even more special and beautiful thing to me. Now, as an adult, I've been costuming as Padme and Queen Amidala for the past few years with my my local fan force group and soon Rebel Legion. I often visit, visit hospitals, conventions, and even local sports teams and Star Wars themed events. But at these events, there's always one or two girls with their hair in Leia buns that look like that look up at me with pure amazement in their eyes when they see us. It's because they don't see Grace, the college student and part-time cashier. They see Padme Amidala, a young queen who stood her ground for what she believed in and fought for freedom. They ask her for a hug and say she is their favorite character and and ask her to watch over Rey and their new friends, other characters, and she gives them a little advice to to always question what is around them and to trust what they believe in. It makes me unbelievably happy to be able to pass on the lessons Padme has taught me to little girls and be their inspiration for the future. It makes the long nights dressing over the sewing machine or wig worth it to see the joy I and my friends bring to them. Padme is more than just a character to me. She's almost a way to live. Thank you so much for being the awesome podcast and community. I'm looking forward to seeing you too at Star Wars Celebration. Grace. Thank you, Grace. Our next letter is from our friend Delaney. Hey, Charlotte and Caitlin. I don't even know where to start with this, quite honestly. To me, Padme is a person who is willing to do whatever it takes to protect and serve her people of Naboo. 
She fights for equality and justice throughout the galaxy. She is caring, she is loyal, and she is passionate about what she does. I was born in 1997, so I didn't have the pleasure to see the prequels as they were being released on the big screen. However, I do distinctly remember having an Attack of the Clones VHS tape and neither of the other two for whatever reason and watching it frequently. I adored Padme from the moment I met her in that movie. As I got older and The Clone Wars was airing, I started watching that and developed an even deeper love for her. She is this amazing leader and political figure, and I love that we got to see more of her and more of her character's arc, seeing that she was so abruptly taken from us in Revenge of the Sith. As a young girl, I could watch the prequels and see that in Star Wars, it didn't matter if I was young or if I was a girl because it showed me that I could be a queen of a planet or a senator. I'm so glad that she still serves to be an amazing role model for so many people, myself included. Sincerely, Delaney. This letter is from Shannon. Hello, Charlotte and Caitlin. I have admired Padme ever since I first got into Star Wars, but I never knew much about her. Sure, I loved her fashion sense and her bravery in a male-dominated world. When it came down to who she was, I found myself wanting more. All that has changed very recently, however, because of Queen Shadow. Finally, I had something that was dedicated to exploring who Padme was and what she was all about, and as it turned out, she was someone I see a lot of myself in. Her passion and devotion is something that has inspired me in ways I can't even describe, and it means so much to me to have an introspective character who will never let others tell her who she's supposed to be. This book has made me want to know even more and has led me to finally get into the Clone Wars. I'm blown away to say... I'm blown away by how she conducts herself in the Senate, and I'm so thankful to have her in a time where I could use some of her strength. I'm so happy that you guys are doing this series and highlighting how influential and important Padme is, and I can't wait to see you guys at Celebration. Shannon. Our next email is from Brad. And he writes, Hello, CNC. Which, by the way, Brad, I love that you called us CNC. I don't think we've ever <laughs> been called CNC, but I like it. <laughs> love it. Hello, CNC. You guys have the most enjoyable and endearing Star Wars podcast out there, so thank you. Thank you, Brad. I grew up with the original trilogy. I was four when A New Hope came out, but I find Padme to be an endlessly compelling character. Growing up with the original trilogy, I understood that I understood the Luke Vader father-son dynamic, but even at a young age, the wonder and mystery of Luke's mother's weight weighed on me heavily. The Luke Leia conversation on Endor gave such a brief but emotional glimpse into what into who this remarkable woman surely had to have been. A big part of my excitement with the announcement of the prequel trilogy in the 1990s was that the secret past of Luke and Leia's mother would finally be revealed, but I had never really developed an expectation or a headcanon of who I thought her to be, look, like, act like, etc. I was just intensely interested in who she was, what she stood for, how did her, how her personality and actions in the prequel era shaped the twins that we all know so well. The casting of Natalie Portman was genius. She fit perfectly in terms of age, intelligence, looks, and grace. While so many older men lusted after her, I only saw her as a person of immeasurable intelligence, one I would absolutely include in my Star Wars sooner, by the way. (laughs) To me, Padme perfectly embodied the ebb and flow of the prequel trilogy as a whole. Started off very measured, in control, rising above the fray to prove time and time again she knew the right answer, the best solution. But as the prequel trilogy evolved, the lines became blurred. The ideals of right and wrong faded in an undefinable mist, and Padme slowly succumbed to forces and people that changed her fundamentally. She allowed herself to develop feelings for Anakin, which, while that may have been the human thing to do, went against everything she was taught and professed to be. Similar to how Anakin's slaughter of the Tusken Raiders was the right, quote-unquote, human thing to do, but the wrong thing as an aspiring Jedi. Their paths are remarkably parallel. As you guys pointed out in your podcast, their marriage ceremony seems anything but joyful. Padme grasping Anakin's metal hand was, for me, upon first viewing in 2002, a creepy but telling moment. 
She was going to accept the less human aspects of Anakin, overwhelming her logic with the love that had enveloped her heart. That gesture really did become a slippery slope as she continually moved her own goalposts in terms of his behavior. Keep in mind their exchange on Mustafar. Anakin doesn't deny killing the Jedi younglings. Padme processes this and says, come away with me. Help me raise our child. Leave everything else behind while we still can. She has accepted his killing of children, but lets her emotions sway her so completely she wants to be with him anyway. This is not a criticism of Padme, but a recognition of how out of control she allowed herself to get, which exactly parallels not only Anakin's character arc across the prequel trilogy, but the overall state of the galaxy as it gave itself over to a dictatorship by the end of the prequel trilogy. Natalie had a great portrayal of the character across all three films. She is supposed to act uncomfortably as a senator who suddenly becomes 19 again, dealing with a guy she can't have, wants to have, and is confused about whether she should or shouldn't have him. Who wouldn't act all cool with Buffy-like verbiage in that situation? Padme is a realistic character in those scenes in Attack of the Clones, because the, especially the amazing fireplace scene. The great mysterious reveal of who Luke and Leia's mother is a lasting and impactful legacy of the prequel trilogy for me. I adore the Padme character and have all admiration and respect for what Natalie Portman and George Lucas did with the character. She had all the grace, kindness, leadership, and ultimately sadness that truly defines a monumental character in the prequel trilogy, one I'm so happy is finally getting some proper exploration and recognition after years of neglect. Again, thank you guys for your passion, depth, and exploration of the galaxy far, far away that has given me so much joy across more than 40 years. You've added to my enjoyment of the saga. Brad. That was a great letter. Yes. Thank you, Brad. So our next letter is from Ella. Hi, guys. I could write you a 30,000-word thesis on what Padme means to me, but I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. I was 10 when The Phantom Menace came out. I liked the original trilogy, but The Phantom Menace changed my entire life. Darth Maul igniting his double-bladed lightsaber on Naboo, and the music is legitimately one of the best, single greatest things I have ever witnessed. That scene gives me shivers 20 years later. Basically, I am a prequel kid through and through. At the time, I just didn't think about Padme and how great she was as a character in, ho- in her own right. I definitely didn't appreciate her when I was 17 and saw her love for Anakin as a weakness to her character in Revenge of the Sith. I was a huge tomboy and basically just wanted to be a Jedi. It has taken me years to unlearn all the things I used to think about the about the value of women and the strength of in femininity, and my growing appreciation for Padme has been a part of that journey. To me, Padme represents the very best that we can be, strong and brave and above all else, hopeful. She embodies the Star Wars universe so perfectly that I like to think that that is her legacy, not Darth Vader's, that is the most enduring throughout the saga. I see so much of her in Luke, and the more, but more than anything, I see it in Leia. After everything she has, she has lost throughout her life, her planet, her parents, the New Republic, her son, her husband, and finally her brother, through the face of that unspeakable loss that she carries in the hope of hope of her birth mother inside of her and passes it on to Rey, onto the next generation. The world is kind of scary right now, and I can look to Star Wars, to Padme, and Rey, and Leia, and Luke, and Finn, and Jin, and Ahsoka for the strength to keep moving and to stay positive and, and hopefully through everything. Like Padme, I want to pass that hope on to my daughter. I hope that when she is 10, she doesn't dismiss female characters for being overtly feminine, and she appreciates the kind of strength that it takes for Padme to retain her sense of self and strength of hope in an ever-changing world. Good luck and have fun at Celebration. Ella. Our next email was from Tom, and he writes, Hello, ladies. Padme. When I think of her, a couple words come to my mind. Strong and vulnerable. Strong because of her actions in episode one to protect her people and do things that others might not. Example showing strength doing an unpopular thing by getting the chancellor ousted. 
or her actions in episode two or even three by going to confront Anakin. Vulnerability, mainly in terms of her connection to Anakin throughout the trilogy. She she shows more of herself to him than anyone, I think. My point is normally I wouldn't think strong and vulnerable would be two personality traits that jump out to me when I think of a leader. But they do for Padme, and for me, it makes total sense. It makes me appreciate her and love her character as much as any in Star Wars. Cheers, Tom. This letter's from Austin. Hey, Sky Talkers. I love your podcast. I'm a loving Padme month. I actually discovered Sky Talkers after the first episode of the Padme podcast, and I've been a loyal listener ever since. Thank you for listening to Padme. Padme has been my favorite character ever since I saw my first Star Wars film, Attack the Clones, when I was seven years old. I'm not sure why she stood out to me so much when I was young, but she made such a strong impression. She sparked in me a love of politics from a young age that has persisted throughout my life. Last year, I graduated with a degree in political science from University of Georgia, and I'm now getting my master's in public administration. This is all directly tied to Padme and how she meant to me as a kid. I can remember playing Star Wars with my brother, and when we were little, I would always want to play Senate, like any normal boy would, and he would always want to play Jedi. There was not much love for Padme when I was a kid, especially after the prequels were finished. So seeing all this love and attention she's been getting by the community leading up to Queen Shadow has been amazing. It seems like over the course of a few weeks, all of my Wars podcasts have been having episodes about her, and it's been incredible. I'm hoping this is the beginning of a shift in of her overall perception. Please keep up the Padme love. Thanks, Austin. I just want to say I relate to this so much. I totally delved into political science when I was in college, and I and it's all because of Padme. <laughs> it totally is. And um, I love that you found our podcast through Padme because that was a really great passion project that me and my friends did. So thank you for your letter. And I would just like to say, go dogs. <laughs> Yes, I too went to the University of Georgia, so yes. <laughs> so our next message is from Brooklyn. She writes, growing up, I watched Attack of the Clones on repeat. Also, can I just interject and say that the love for Attack of the Clones we've seen in these letters just makes my Star Wars heart so joyful. So happy. Attack <laughs> of the Clones is my favorite prequel, and it gets a lot of poop <laughs> in the fandom, um, but I love Attack of the Clones. So I'm just in general, I'm really loving the Attack of the Clones love. I'll start Brooklyn's letter over though. <laughs> she writes, growing up, I watched Attack of the Clones on repeat. While I watched the original trilogy more, Attack of the Clones was still a staple for me and 100% of that was Padme. She was strong. She spoke her mind. She had more than one outfit. I loved her. Her submitting to her love for Anakin was the most romantic thing my young heart could imagine. As I got older, I didn't watch the prequels as much because I had a very much internalized the quote, prequels are bad mantra. It was only within the last few years that I got back into Star Wars in full force and was able to revisit the prequels in a more positive light. Now I see me in Padme. I was about her age. I tried to be politically active, and I was watching others make questionable choices around me. Padme is who I try to be. She is sensitive and is constantly striving for a balance between her heart and her duty. Padme isn't perfect, and she doesn't try to be. But her friendship, her loyalty, her idealism, her willingness to fight for what she loves and believes in are all things we should strive to be. You do not have to be a force user to make a difference in the galaxy. Love that. Yes, thank you, Brooklyn. So this is a letter from Andrew. I was born in the late 1990s, and my first real memory of Star Wars was watching the special editions when I was six. That day, Leia showed me, a boy from the suburbs of Chicago, that women can be badass action heroes too. But I must have been too young to grasp that she wasn't just a warrior, but a courageous leader. Then came Padme. I was eight when The Phantom Menace came out. I saw a stoic, clever, brave young woman not only fire a blaster, but speak with such gravitas in a, in a, just, 
but speak with such gravitas to sway a deadlock government, organize a daring plan to protect her people, despite advice to the contrary, and fight her way back into the peace her people deserve, all at the age of 14 when wearing makeup and, and ornate flowing dresses. With deep respect to Carrie Fisher and the character she gave us, that day in 1999, I learned the truth of a woman's potential. I learned that women are capable of everything men are without leaving behind traditional feminine qualities. It's outright disgusting this lesson lesson needed to be learned in Western culture, but sadly it does, and Padme taught me. Over the past 20 years, Padme and her handmaidens have been, well, in episodes two and three, the handmaidens were largely ignored and Padme was written by a male to serve a male's character story arc. Sure, the Clone Wars gave us wonderful Padme-focused stories like heroes on both sides. Yay! But there's only so much you can accomplish in a children's TV show with an episodic runtime of 22 minutes. I've been looking looking for a truly dedicated look at one of my most beloved and personally meaningful characters. Thankfully, E.K. Johnston gave us that with Queen Shadow, and I couldn't be more thankful. Thanks for giving the opportunity to gush to you guys. May the force be with you. Our next message is from Twitter, and it's from at LiminalZone. Padme is a complex, complicated character, focused on governmental transparency and personal secrets that overturn historical traditions. A legend, not one note. She is a legend. Yes. So this one is from Summer. This isn't anything unique, but Padme is the reason I love Star Wars. I'm sure my dad had me watch the original trilogy as a kid, but being an eight-year-old girl and seeing Queen Amidala on screen, it made me think Star Wars was for me. I connected with her as I had not yet connected with Leia. The next year, I had my parents buy me Star Wars Episode One: Journal of Queen Amidala, which I read on repeat until it fell apart. I have to say, I felt the exact same way about Padme. I'd seen, and you guys know this, I had seen the original trilogy before, but it really wasn't until Revenge of the Sith where I was like... I love this character. This is my Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, Summer. Our next message is from Mike, and he writes, Of all the deaths in Star Wars, the one that gets me the most is Padme. Obi-Wan, Han, Luke, and Yoda were all sad, no doubt, that Padme was in her 20s and on the cusp of what should have been the happiest time in her life, being a new mom. She was betrayed by the person she loved the most and learned that not only did he turn to the dark side, but he murdered children. She was such a strong character and a great role model for young women. This one's from James W. I think, like most people, my feelings on the second trilogy love the use of the second trilogy. Oh my trilogy. God, James, thank you. I know. <laughs> James is great. <laughs> and Padme have changed over time. As I've engaged more with more women in the fandom, I've learned from their perspectives. I've basically rediscovered Padme. While I was listening to your last episode, I found myself nodding along and mouthing, yes, queen, to myself <laughs> more than once because I truly believe in the depth that Lucas, Portman, and co. brought to the character. The stark femininity of her outfits, the complex emotions of a young woman torn between duty and love, and unwavering commitment to democracy and justice all form this perfect balance in Padme, and the saga is all the better for introducing such a multifaceted woman. Also, not going to lie, as a young gay man, I found myself relating in a big way to her need to be the most dramatically dressed woman in the room and her failed attempt at not kissing the bad boy. Thank you for your time and have a blast of celebration. This is a great letter. Yeah, thank you, James. (laughs) Our next message is from Raising a Rebel, who recently got married, so congratulations. Padme has always been an interesting and inspirational character for me, but it was only after my partner and I found out that we were having a baby girl that I realized just how powerful a role model Padme actually is. That's why my daughter's middle name is Amidala, so that she'll always have this inspirational figure to look up to and aspire to. Love that. I love that. Congratulations on all fronts. (laughs) Yes, seriously. So this is from our friend Tammy. Padme means so much to me. 
seeing her on the screen as a little girl was the most empowering and inspiring thing. A girl like me leading a whole planet, standing up to the guys who tried to hurt her and boss her around, wearing pretty dresses and leading her friends into battle. She made me feel like I could be strong. She made me feel like I had a voice. She made me feel like I was important. Our next message is from Demi, who writes, The Phantom Menace came out when I was seven, and Padme especially was extremely influential to me. She was someone young like I was. Even though she was 14, she was a young girl constantly in a room of much older men, which was easy to identify with. You could easily see how the adults tried to sway her, but she was fiercely intellectual. She was cunning. I mean, having doubles of herself, I thought it was genius. The idea that a young girl could be elected queen of her nation at so young, a woman and a young one at that, was so eye-opening to me. It was amazing to see her, the central figure, in a huge position of power. And then as I got older, seeing her fall in love and constantly fight for what she believed in, that's someone you want to admire. I especially loved watching her in the Clone Wars series. She didn't do things to get attention. She did things because they were the right thing to do. I think she was always a good moral compass to follow because she considered the small and large ramifications of each decision. People talk a lot about strong women, and there's nothing wrong with that. Padme was incredibly strong, but also emotional and vulnerable and loyal. That multi-dimensionality is much more the reality of women. She's a great character to look up to, I think. Too long, didn't read. I love Padme with all my heart. Agreed. So this is our last letter, and it is from Katie at the Rogue Fangirls. Hello there. I've always loved Padme ever since I first saw The Phantom Menace, and one of the reasons why is because of how young she was. I always appreciated how young and yet how responsible and mature she was. She was ha- she handled herself well and worked hard while still remaining feminine and finding time to be herself. She didn't let the position compromise her values, and she remained true to herself even at such a young age. Okay, well, those are all of the letters that we got. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to send these in. It really does mean so much to us. And the fact that you guys wrote so much, it just – it really speaks to how much Padme has impacted people. And what I loved about these letters, what, and it's kind of similar to what we saw in our Ahsoka letters too, but it's just people going back and revisiting Mm -hmm. a character and – coming back a couple years older, coming back with new content, coming back through a new show or book. Um, And I just – I love it because it's such – like it's so Star Wars, right, that perceptions can change. (laughs) Totally. Um, And I don't know. I just – I really like that aspect of, you know, revisiting something, of seeing something in a new light and how it can really make all the difference and and not just in a difference of opinion but just add so much more to a character and just – it was really great to read all of these. So thank you guys for sending them in. Yeah, I think that it's really great. I saw – I feel like reading these – first off, I love reading them aloud because you get them in the email and it just it's great to read them aloud and kind of live with them. But also something that I think that you see in all of these is how much respect you get from the fact how, how feminine Padme is and how her femininity is a huge strength of hers. And I think that that – thought process just continues to change and I, I I love that more people are noticing that and commenting on that and it's one of the reasons why people were really struck by Padme even when they were young. Yeah, totally agreed. Um this is really fun and a great way to kind of wrap up Padme songs. I know I can't believe Padme Month is now over. Not Padme Month. Padme Songs. Padme songs. Well okay. I well the Padme, Padme Songs Padme Month yeah Padme, Padme Month, Month is, is over. But Padme Songs is forever. Uh Trying to think of what lives forever is in French, and I can't. <laughs> Vive le Padmesons. Vive le Padmesons pour tous les temps. Exactly. Beaucoup d'années. 
<laughs> but honestly, like I, we are living in the Padme songs. Hopefully, Natalie Portman comes to celebration. Oh my god! If she doesn't, I'm gonna eat my words, and this will be on a podcast forever. But I do think <laughs> that, like, because it's the Padme songs, I feel like you know, the Padme love is in the air. You never know what's gonna happen. I can feel it. Coming in the air. Also, a song that is played traditionally at every University of Georgia football game. So, just weaving that in there, too. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Yes. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Thank you so, 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 so much for taking time to write such beautiful letters to us about Padme. Um, We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to do that. And I hope you all enjoyed hearing them and hearing about why other people love Padme um, in same or different ways, because I think that's really important too. So uh, if you want to find us online, you can continue to send send us your Padme thoughts. We don't have another episode scheduled yet to read them, but we will definitely read them ourselves. So please send them our (laughs) way. Or if you want to send us anything else Star Wars related, you can find us on Twitter at SkyTalkersPod or on our personal handles at Caitlin Plusher and at Clarity. We also have an email, SkyTalkersPodcast at gmail.com. We will get back to your emails there. But sometimes it just takes us a little longer on email. But we do return all of our emails. <laughs> yes, uh, and again, just a reminder, we're going to be at Star Wars Celebration podcast stage <laughs> April 12th at 12. <laughs> Probably be super emotional. We might cry. I, us- I feel like I'm going to cry. I feel like I'm definitely going to cry. So you should – if you're going to the episode 9 panel, you should, one, grab extra posters and, two, bring tissues <laughs> for us. I have to say, I just like <laughs> – to be honest, like, it's been such a goal. It was a goal of ours last celebration to be on the podcast stage. And, like, I can't even visualize more than, like, five people there. So if, if there's more I'll than five people really there. I'll be really happy if there's five people there. That'll, yeah, me too. And it'll it'll just be good. And then we can all just, like, have a powwow and, like, sit in a circle and cry yeah. about what we saw. So. But honestly, if there's more than five people there, I will cry. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just, like, the emo. <sighs> It's only day one of celebration. There's going to be so much emotion running through our veins in that moment. I mean, 100th episode, podcast That's what I mean. Episode nine, seeing a bunch of people that we know online in person for the first time. I mean, (laughs) we'll be lucky if we make a coherent thought. (laughs) Oh, God. Please come. Please come. Please come. Um, yeah. So again, we're, we're talking about the podcast stage too much, but uh, April 12th at 12th. Um, and if you like what you hear, um, the French accents, the shameless plug for the podcast stage, and Padme letters, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review so other people can join in our Padme songs as well. Yes. Definitely. And I want to thank our amazing patrons. Jason, Kimberly, Amy, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Brian, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, Vundacast Productions, Christian, Adam, Megan, Courtney, Centara, Thomas, John, Dominic, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpa Maru, Patrick, James, Hamsam, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kels, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Jordan, Molly, Aaron, Scott, Irina, Irabelle, 
BJ, Casey, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, The Clashing Sabers Podcast, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Your support really does mean the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.